podcast, you're listening to Laura Beard and more about what I do and my work and my writing and stuff like that at lauriebeard.com. And this podcast is all about the secret of the last emperor. He has a secret. He's the last emperor. But the theme that I've been talking about in the past week or two has been predictably kind of romantic love and just love in general right like the love we have for our family members for our pets for each other for an instrument for a craft and just like what is that and how does it shape us and why is it so freaking important and all the stuff around that and I today really wanted to talk about kind of love centering around partnership so really I'm using the word partnership as like a, a handle for what is it like what does it look like when love meets flesh like when love enters the world so this isn't just like the abstract concept of love like love from the divine love for each other this is like love between people primarily and like what is partnership what isn't it why do we want it and that's really the kind of like focus for a lot of our searches like when we're looking for a spouse when we're looking for business relationships when we're looking for true sense of belonging in our relationships and our friendships that's all partnership and I think that we don't often have the best examples in our lives growing up about what partnership looks like when it's healthy and so then we don't really know how to find good partnership I remember I had a really good um I had two really good friends in law school they were married to each other and I lived in Austin at the time and had known them a little bit in college, but they were in different uh, years from my year. And I remember they got married prior to me ever really becoming close to them. And as I got to know them as a couple, I felt like this indescribable um, bond between them. Like I, like their dynamic felt like unlike something I'd ever seen before. And I always pinned that in my mind as like okay if I ever end up getting married this is sort of what I'm looking for where it's um it's beautiful it's classic and it's it seems very balanced it's like it's just very hard to describe but this particular couple like was one of the only married couples I'd ever been around that had this partnership between them that I then have aspired to really ever since right and of course when you find it and as you find it in different ways in your life it takes its own shape that fits you like it's never going to be like my marriage is never going to be like their marriage because I'm not them and Charles isn't isn't them either so um I thought it'd be really useful to kind of get clear on what this all looks like so we can start having more of it in work and into our existing relationships and as we're looking for partners What are we even looking for? So let's start by defining the partnership. Let's talk about what's healthy, what's unhealthy in partnership. Finally, we'll talk about why we want it, the three main reasons, and then we'll get to the secret of the last emperor, what he needs to tell us about partnership. (laughs) It's a secret from the last emperor. Um, because at first, like, what is partnership? So I went straight up to the Bible again. I I worked with uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and um, which is really some of the most beautiful writing of love that there is. And uh, later on in the Bible, there is um, a book of Ecclesiastes that possibly was written by this guy, King Solomon. King Solomon is the son of 
King David. King David's like, everybody knows David. David and Goliath, all kinds of things happen under King David. But Solomon was like this very wise prophet kind of guy and wrote possibly Ecclesiastes, which is kind of like, um, it's really, really short. It's hard to find if you're flipping through your Bible. And then it's also a lot about like how miserable life is and meaningless and purposeless if you don't have God in your life. And um, that's a little bit of a conversation for another time because it's not as much like um, God, like the very mainstream, um, like contemporary Christian view of God as like, uh, I don't even know how to, I, I'm so far removed from that in my life currently, I can't even really reference that in an intelligent way. But it's not, I'm just, let's just put it, just to say, it's just not exactly what you think when we say God in your life. It's much more, um, I think, relevant no matter what your personal beliefs are. Um, but there's a lot of like, everything's bad, everything's bad, everything's bad. Your work means nothing. Your time means nothing. You're oppressed. There's toil. You're friendless. Like there's all this kind of stuff. And then when you have God, how great it is kind of. But there's a respite from all this lamenting about how terrible life is when um, the author writes, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For who am I toiling, he said. It's like, what is the point of all this? I'm by myself. Why am I depriving myself of, of enjoyment? This is so meaningless. A miserable business. Just restating what I, what I already told you. And then the author goes on to say, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. And of course, that's metaphorical. Like, I mean, literally, you know, if I'm in the woods and I twist my ankle and I've got a buddy with me, things are going to be better for me getting out of that situation. But then, of course, when we fall down in our lives, like when we lose all our money, when we have a significant heartbreak, when we go through a divorce, when we lose a loved one, having a friend to help us up from that dark place, of course, is a good thing. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Yes. True. Through uh, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, right? So we're safer, we're warmer. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We're stronger. So that, it's kind of saying like, okay, love's a, a partnership is a really good thing. He's calling it friendship. And he isn't really giving it... A, a, a clear label but you know togetherness is better than aloneness um but as he's getting down the list of things that are good about having partnership in your life it, it's getting to this point where you're like yeah but like what is it what is it between these two people like how'd they get together how do you know it's good when you get together how do you know that person's gonna help you up when you fall down in the woods you know how do you where is um where is the kind of like clear definition here. And I think that John O'Donohue's response to what is a partnership in the way that I'm examining this is um, the most useful. So John O'Donohue is a amazing scholar who has sadly passed away really before his time. And he was a very good friend of a poet named David White. John O'Donohue's Irish. You already know he's going to be like soulful, wise, and like really fun at a party. But He's also a ex-priest, which I think is really cool when people have that sort of like rich history, but then step out and 
to their own way um, of of teaching and writing outside of the clergy. I mean, I think you could stay within the clergy and do that, but I think it's just an interesting trajectory. But he read this book that is, to me, a, a must-read classic. I read it every year, and it's one of my absolute favorite books, and it's called Anam Kara, A-N-A-M-C-A-R-A. And that word is Celtic, Gaelic, for soul friend. So he's, the whole book, this whole book that is written as prose but reads like poetry, it's so beautiful. I'll read you just, just a bit. This whole book is on like having this kind of partnership that we're talking about. Like when love meet, when love comes into the world between people, it is like this partnership, this anamkara, this soul friendship. And the very first section of the book is called The Mystery of Friendship. And I love that he calls it The Mystery of Friendship. Because exactly why, like exactly why did I meet one of my very best friends when I was in New York and like we are just buddies. We just, we get each other. I see her. She sees me. I got her back. I totally trust her. There's like a, when I'm with her, there's like an energy that comes into my physical being, even when we're on the phone and it's just so refreshing Really, all of my, I have, you know, three or four very, very, very close friends, and it's all like that. And being around those people, those soul friends, you, when when you're around other people, you're like, oh, this is, is not that. But it's mysterious. What is it between us? And um, he writes in Anamkara that love is absolutely vital for a human life, for love alone can awaken what is divine within you. In love, you grow and come home to yourself. When you learn to love... And to let yourself be loved, you come home to the hearth of your own spirit. So he's looking at this partnership idea, this soul friend idea, as like the resting place of love within you. The um, that hap- that love happening between you and another person is the way you come home to yourself. Um, he calls it the friend of your soul. This um, you're joined in this ancient and eternal way with certain people, and they're a friend of your soul. You can be as you really are. Um, love is the only light that can truly read the secret signature of the other person's individuality and soul. I mean, that is that is like, love is the only light that can truly read the secret signature of the other person's individuality and soul. It's just very, um, it's poetry, right? I mean, I think at the end of the day, when you really start drilling down into like what all this means, you have to get into the world of poetry. I think it'd be interesting to um, do an entire like series on Anamkara because I think one of the coolest things about this theme is how we can carry it into our family life. Like, is this the way I'm approaching my marriage as if it's a sacred thing? Like, like it's a, an intimacy is a sacred marriage between me and other beings. Is this the way I'm approaching parenting? Is this the way I'm approaching business partnerships, right? Um, I think ultimately though, what we see as partnership can be very riddled with unhealthy patterns. So, I mean, in the work that I do, I, I see a lot of partnerships that are extremely unhealthy and typically in the world of mental health and mental wellness and, um, self-development and just trying to grow your own generous self and find more kindness in your heart you've noticed that your um, patterns tend to repeat themselves. 
as, as a pattern will do. <laughs> I think that's the definition of a pattern, a thing that repeats itself. And it usually starts a really, really, um, from, it's a pattern that's usually started a really, really long time ago. So when we wake up in our lives and find that we're not happy or that things aren't right, there are often many unhealthy partnerships. And unfortunately, sometimes all of them are unhealthy. And that's the pits. And I have been there. And it's just a matter of um, taking one step ahead, taking one step at a time and I think the first step is just to kind of say like, okay, what is an unhealthy partnership? What are some examples? How do I know? How do I know if this is an unhealthy partnership? How do I know if this is like actually kind of abusive or if it's actually Anamkara, soul friendship? So, I mean, at the end of the day, let's just say that the John O'Donohue, the mystery of friendship, it, you know it when you feel it. That's going to be the, the, the ultimate bar. But I, but I think it's very, very useful to run down like what it's not before we move into like why we want it. And those kind of three keys of what, what what we really truly in the real world concrete benefit in having this friendship in our lives, this partnership. So in any kind of unhealthy partnership is where you are putting, I mean, let's just start with like, you know, let's get in our own sandbox. Everybody else is in their own sandbox. Everybody's um, responsible for their own relationships, right? So even if you're in the most abusive relationship, which is awful, let's kind of just acknowledge that there's some complicity like there's some way in which I have agreed to this relationship or else I wouldn't be here so if you just start with your own self and your own choices an unhealthy partnership is a partnership where you put that that partnership or that person that partner ahead of yourself which is really not how most of us were raised I know for me I was raised in a very southern home and um, in a very Protestant upbringing where I was taught of like, you know, original sin is a real thing and you're born a sinner and you have to repent your whole life and you're, the debt of your sins should be death, but Jesus died for you. Like that, that was what I was taught was Christianity and was the truth. And, um, also as a female in the South, I think I learned just from watching my environment and my environment being like kind of everywhere I went that the woman who put her entire family before her and sacrificed the most loved them the most, right? So like all of that is teaching us that the partnership, the family, the partner, the kids, everything should go before us. When, in fact, the self, a healthy partnership is where the self is goes before the partnership. You put yourself first. And I mean that in the sense of um, my first responsibility is to myself. My first loyalty is to myself. So, for example, if my um, if I'm in a partnership and somebody has lied to me in a business partnership and somebody has lied to me and treated me poorly, if I'm putting that partner or that partnership first, my primary concern is for their welfare and making sure they're okay and repairing the partnership. That doesn't that just sound like a, a, a nice person, right? Like that just sounds, oh yeah, see, you're just a really generous, good Christian <laughs> or something. <laughs> but if I put myself before the partnership. The first thing I'm going to do is be angry and say, hey, possibly to say, hey, you know, you lied to me and you treated me badly. You stole from me or whatever the wrong was. I'm not okay with that. I don't want to be in this partnership anymore. Or, you know, depending on the context of the relationship, um, 
I, I, we have to work through this or else we're not going to be able to move forward in this partnership. So you see how the second is, um, if you, if you don't have a comfortable relationship with anger, then that like make, may make you like feel kind of hot and sweaty. Like, Oh no, don't have a conflict, <laughs> anything but that. But in fact, it's actually the way to keep the partnership healthy. So my first example where the first concern is for the other person, when something that is hurtful to you happens on their, on their watch, like that is a situation where you are, um, receiving abuse and, um, like, like, uh, agreeing to it. Like you're not actually, uh, you're not responding in a healthy way to something that's hurtful to you. Like if I touch a stove and it's hot, I say, ouch, and pull my hand away. Right. Like that's an example that I think probably everyone's heard at some point, but, but in a relationship, it looks like putting yourself first, taking care of yourself first. Your first loyalty is to yourself and then to the partnership. But unhealthy partnerships can look, take a lot of forms. Like, you take care of me and in return I keep your secrets. I mean that's um that is not healthy. For so many reasons. I mean I, that could be like a, a whole different conversation that we need to get into. But another unhealthy partnership is like um you don't have any needs. Like you don't need me to show up on time, you don't need me to commit to you, you don't need me, you don't require anything of me and I'll stay in this like casual situation with you. And what second that you have natural human needs, like that you would actually need love or commitment or some certainty, some unpredictability, all these things that are natural human needs. Like I need to grow in this relationship. Like these things that we actually really do need when you need these things, I'm out. <clears throat> that is not a healthy partnership. And at the end of the day, a healthy partnership is going to be one where you, you do put yourself before it. And that is, by the partner is seen as a good thing. So like in childhood development, there's something called healthy attachment, which is between the mother and the child typically. And basically if your child is, um, if you have loved them in a way that is healthy, then they feel really safe with you. So they leave and you're okay with that. So healthy attachment really looks like a child that is um, like, mommy, get away. I want to go play by myself because they feel safe to step away from you. They, they don't feel like, uh-oh, I have to need mommy or else um, I'm going to be in trouble. I have to pretend like I'm weak or else I'm going to be in trouble. So healthy attachment is a great example of a healthy partnership. And in business, it should be like that as well. So one of the biggest um, surprises of my professional career was when I went to the managing partner to tell him I was leaving my law firm and expecting him to be angry at me because I, 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 I very unconsciously kind of put the law firm in the position of a, like kind of an authority figure. Cause at that time I hadn't realized that was a thing you don't do. <laughs> like, no, they're authority figures and they have authority. That's just the way it is. And they're like your parents and your boss and you know, whoever else that is whatever. Um, I expected this, this judgment and this, uh, anger and I expected to end on such bad terms. And he was like, go forth, do it, live your dreams. Wish I had done the same thing. And it was one of the first times I'd put somebody in a position of authority and they responded in a healthy way, as opposed to being frustrated that I would leave the group. Like that clinging attachment of like exclusivity, you're in or you're out, 
there's an inner circle, you're not part of it. Like none of that's healthy partnership. So this can be very, uh, this alone can be very eye-opening for us. And to think like, you know, you, if we're in a situation where we're looking for a partner, the the first way to develop like a that skill, that muscle of healthy partnership is to start putting yourself first and aspect like like little easy aspects that already exist in your life like with work how can I be loyal to myself first what works for me do I maybe not commit to everything that I'm asked of but do I just check in first right does this work for me am I putting myself first am I taking care of what I really need and I did we did um two podcasts I did one with Henrette my best friend from college who's been a therapist for like 10 or 15 years in the Raleigh area. And then I did a podcast with my husband on self-care too. And all of that was around needs. And so to say, I put myself first is also to say like, I take care of my needs. And then there's the question of like, what are they? So check that out. That will be very helpful just to begin to understand like, what does it mean even to have a self and take care of it? So when we think about partnership, it's like, Love in the world, love between us. It's a little bit ineffable. It's almost indescribable, the, the, the feeling of a truly equal partnership. I know um, there's a person that I've seen my husband do a bunch of work with who they just work. It's hard to put a finger on why. They just work really well together. And I think they're both very gen- generous, but they also both only do things that work for them, right? So, like, I've seen them both be very, like, if you're busy, I'll pick up this, you know, not like assignment, but like I'll pick up the slack and if I'm busy, I know you're going to pick it up and it's not like a tit for tat, right? And yet, neither one of them is, I don't see either one of them working all night and then resenting the other because they're only giving what they can afford. So, I mean, those are things I want. Like I want to partner with people in my work that have this kind of output where we're we, we everybody's benefiting. One plus one is a million. I mean, when I fall, you pick me up. When you fall, I pick you up. When when it's cold, we warm each other up. Right? It's just this uh, very, if even just thinking about like basic needs like safety, it's a much safer place to de- develop these rich Anamkara partnerships in all aspects of our lives. So why do we want it? Okay, so there are three reasons. There's many reasons, but here are three. First of all, there's this book. This is the first reason. It's called Crazy in the Head. <laughs> there's this book, and first of all, really, there's this guy. His name's Judd Apatow. And he is a uh, writer and director, and I think also producer at this point. And at the end of the day, at the very heart of his work is comedy. So he's, he's like a, a comedy creator who really came into it at a very young age and has seen really great success. Like, he did... 40 year old virgin and he produced girls for the HBO series that um, won many, 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 many awards. He produced Trainwrecked with um, Amy Schumer. Actually they collaborated on the whole project. So he was instrumental to that movie and kind of elevating her from, from very popular comedian to almost like more iconic and giving her sort of a platform or helping her find the platform that she has now that it's allowed her to kind of create even more, challenging comedy that challenges like a lot of uh, social conventions around women traditional ideas about power traditional roles in the relationship do some really cool stuff so anyway he's a cool guy 
<coughs> and he is basically, I don't want to say he's my hero, but he's very inspiring. He wrote this book, Sick in the Head. I said crazy in the head, sorry. Sick in the head. Sick in the head, and it is amazing. And it is, what, maybe a hundred maybe 70 conversations between Judd and every comedian you ever want to hear from. Seinfeld, Steve Martin, Amy Schumer, Lena Dunham, um, Daily Show, Correspondence. It's just like, I'm actually going to look right now just to continue to go through the list. I mean, it's, it's done alphabetically. Chris Rock, so it's really cool how... You get to see these um, interviews he did when he was a kid in the 80s because he was always really, really passionate about comedy. Adam Sandler, Eddie Vedder. I mean, come on. James L. Brooks, the classic. Louis C.K., you know I love him. Sarah Silverman, Seth Rogen. So, billions more. He then went on to have this career in comedy and continued to have these conversations as he would make movies and um, have interviews and and he put them all together and it's just all around um how these projects come to be so not only the projects that he works on with these other people like he obviously is collaborating with almost all of these comedians in here I mean even Jerry Seinfeld they collaborated on a Saturday Night Live um night that Jerry Seinfeld hosted and Judd was writing for the show at the time and and you look at the art that comes from these comedians getting together and just like being in the same space, just sharing air, getting to know each other, having a relationship and all of the, I mean, it's not even, I am a huge comedy fan. Yeah, I love to laugh, but I think that it is the most sophisticated way to challenge what we take for granted and to question the way we look at the world. And that makes everyone more successful to get together, to get a little sick in the head and to create Trainwreck. Like that was a cool movie and it really, really shot Amy Schumer's career into the atmosphere. Um, so I think we all want that. I mean, I think to say I want a solo career is to say I only want like um, certain amount of success. I don't really want to be hugely successful and, I don't know why we would limit ourselves in that way. So that's number one. Number two, there is the David White reason for why we want partnership. And it's not going to be your favorite one, but it's going to be the most important one. So David White is a poet and also of Irish descent and lives in the Pacific Northwest today and like goes on all these like talking and speaking tours and is really, really worth going to see because he makes poetry come alive in the way that he recites it and tells the stories around it. And he's just great. He's got this great accent. He's got, he's just great to listen to. So even if, even if you're not into poetry, it's a very just captivating experience. And he has done reams and reams on the subject of heartbreak he has an audio recording, When the Heart Breaks, that's astounding. But in particular, this um, book he wrote, wrote called Consolations, he takes everyday words and kind of spins gold from them and just kind of talks about what they really mean. And then when talking about heartbreak, 
it's just beautiful. And I'm not going to, I'm only going to read a teeny tiny little bit of this because it's just, there's just too much here, but it's worth buying this book and just to read the section on heartbreak. Um, the reason I'm showing you heartbreak is I think that one of the things we don't love about being people is that we get our hearts broken. And it happens when somebody runs over our dog in the driveway. It happens when a teacher betrays us. Heartbreak happens when our children leave, which is all healthy. So it's there, there's just not a life lived where we can avoid heartbreak. And living a life trying to avoid it is, of course, futile. It takes a lot of energy and ultimately is a failed mission. But it's part of partnership. I mean, you think about, I only want partnerships that are going to end well. That's to say, I want a life without heartbreak, which is like, that's just a power we are not we, we are not gifted with. Uh, David White writes that heartbreak is how we mature. So that's pretty important. Maturing, growing more generous. When we have an unrequited love, a shattered dream, a child lost before their time. A marriage, a committed vow to another, even the most settled loving relationship will always break our hearts at one time or another. A successful marriage has often had its heart broken many times just in order for the couple to stay together. Parenthood, no matter the sincerity of our love for a child, will always break the mold of our motherly or fatherly hopes. A good work seriously taken will often take everything we have and still leave us wanting. And finally, even the most self-compassionate self-examination should if we are sincere, lead eventually to existential disappointment. So that's a heavy, that's a little heavy handed piece about partnership. There's no alternative path, but maybe we can make friends with that. Maybe we can start to see heartbreak as a part of partnership, as a part of success, as a part of maturing and growing more generous, as a part of becoming a parent. That's a big, tall ask, and it's a mature place to begin to live from, but it's worth at least considering, because I've watched a whole life of someone who has lived to avoid heartbreak, and I'll tell you right now, that is lonely, and you fail, then then who's going to pick you up when you fall down in the woods? You got no partners, but you don't have a lot of other things too. And you still get the heartbreak. So our third reason why partnership is something that we want, our final reason is the secret of the last emperor. The secret of the last emperor. I saw this documentary years ago on Valentino. Valentino is a fashion designer, and if you don't know who he is, try to imagine like a really, really, really tan, well-dressed Italian man that never seems to age, but wears like excellent suits. And next to him, a little bit behind him, imagine the person you never really hear about, his partner in business and in life, Giancarlo. And this documentary, The Last Emperor, um, covered their life together, their work, and also like the beautiful house of Valentino, the the fashion that he's built, and how much that harkens back to like a, a different era in our wardrobe, in our culture, and 
to see what he's done, like what he's created, like the beauty, the, the beauty of the clothes that he's created, it's, it's unbelievable. It's like Picasso level unbelievable where you're like, how did a, a, a one person have this life and generate all of these things and do it twice a year? You come up with all new art that has to be, it has to sell. It can't just be art for art's sake. I mean, that's never, that's not what fashion is. Fashion has to sell. I mean, there, you have to find a way to fund, you don't have to sell all of it, but you have to find a way to fund the things that you don't plan to sell, right? By selling other things. So it's astounding. It's it's like um, Liberace, who, if, again, there was a really cool HBO documentary just covering one relationship in his life, which, you know, went a much different way, right, than Valentino. But if you think about... As you watch this documentary of Valentino and Giancarlo, because it covers both of them, and you never see Giancarlo. Like, he's not the name of the brand. He's not the face of the label or anything. But he is, a, that partnership is essential to the success of the artist, right? So it's not like the partnership is such that they're equally visible, but it seems equally beneficial, right, for both of them. And it allows them to create this magic together. Whereas... Sadly, Liberace died um, primarily alone. I think that partnership is, it, according to this HBO documentary I watch, partnership is something that eluded him a lot of his life. And it's it's sad. It's sad to see someone who has been in service of completely themselves, right? I mean, I think that self, taking care of that self first is how you have a healthy partnership. But then it's being a good partner, wanting good for the other person. It's having healthy attachment with your in your own in your own with your own self ultimately as we become adults to allow you to want other people to like spread their wings and fly if that's what is the best thing for them. So the secret of the last emperor is partnership allows us to create magic together, and it looks like magic. It looks like magic from the outside, and it's very um, it's something to aspire to. I mean, we only get this one life, right? So why not have all of these things? Why not do all of this? Why not live it fully? That is all there is to be said about that in this moment. So you can go to my website, lariebeard.com. You can check out more of my podcasts. You can possibly um, kind of get a small taste of this really cool program that we're almost, gosh, we're over halfway through called Elevate beginning for our bodies that has been really inspired by my book soul food that comes out later this year that's um how to heal your relationship with eating based on my work with my clients over the years and of course my own life so go check it out tell me what you think and uh, be sure to sign up for my newsletter because i send out content that's not available on my website or my podcast so join it up join it on up yo all right talk to you later